Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope you're all having a great week. Hope you have recovered from the ruthless hangover that was UFC 282. We have one more event this weekend for the UFC, and then that's a wrap for 2022. We have the final independent Bellator event of 2022 this past weekend as well. We had judging controversies, stars emerging, a second vacant UFC light heavyweight title fight put on the books for next month. Lots to discuss. So this week, we're just doing it like last week. Another episode of the Mike and Jed Power Hour as I welcome in the exhibition king, Mr. No Gray Area himself, the co-host of No Bets Bard, the winningest player in the history of the game. I could read Jed's resume forever, but it's only an hour show. Jed, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I am still just buzzing off UFC 282, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Buzzing, eh? We'll, we'll talk was, all about it. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been the I most the, fun. <laughs> I think the word you used was hilarious. It was hilarious. Still Dude, stand still by. Hilarious? <laughs> still probably the funniest card of the year. Uh, maybe it was two two seventy nine was the Nate Diaz kerfluffle, right? That was yep. that. Yeah, maybe two seventy nine was funnier, but this was right up there at the peak of of comedy as far as the sport goes. Well, let's start with the moments that got everybody all fired up and still has people all fired up. So we'll start with UFC 282. The biggest story was not the main event or the draw in the main event or the aftermath or the new title fight being booked. It was the co-main event. It was Patty Pimblett winning a controversial decision against Jared Gordon. And let me just say this, Jed, because I've thought a lot about this over the last five days. I have been a swinging pendulum with this one because on Saturday, and you know this because we talked before the post-fight show, during the post-fight show, Watching it live, I scored it for Jared Gordon, 29-28. Thought it was clear as day. Thought the only conversation that could be had about that fight in terms of the scoring was you either scored it 29-28 Gordon or 30-27 Gordon, and you were not at all shocked by this result. Now, I was on team robbery on this one Saturday night, even Sunday morning, even for stretches of Monday. And then Tuesday, before heck of a morning, I decided... I'm just going to watch the fight again all by myself. No distractions, no noise, not even the dog in the room, no audio, no commentary. And I'm just going to see what maybe I missed here. And my scoring is exactly the same as Saturday. 29-28 Gordon, gave the first two rounds, gave Patty the third. But I will say this, I understand where you're coming from because first was a clear Jared Gordon round. Two and three were very close, and they could have gone either way. So in a vacuum, watching the fight by myself, how I scored it, just based on how other people may have reacted to it, 29-28 score either way, even if you scored it for Patty, 29-28, it's not a robbery. 
But then you look at the scorecards and Doug Crosby and Ron McCarthy both gave round one to Patty and both gave Jared Gordon the third. Those two individual cards for round one leads me to at least flirt with the robbery word. Like I'm not taking robbery home with me. It just didn't work out. Like maybe I went to the bar and I bought robbery a couple of drinks and I got to know her, but it just didn't work out. So in your eyes, because, because of the way that like first round was actually scored, is there a case to be made for a robbery? Sure. For exactly that reason. Right. So, so that's been my stance the whole time. And like, I totally get why people are upset by it. The first scoring the first round for Patty that being the reason he won is because all three judges gave him the first is nonsense. Like that's just a nonsense score. Um, sure. You can go look at the stats. I'm sure somebody's in the comments right now being like, check the numbers. It's very close. Your eyeballs tell you the truth of, of that one. I mean, they, it was pretty clear. Jared Gordon was landing the harder, more effective shots. They landed about equally, but Gordon's were just much better. That left hand was tethered to Patty's face. Patty had no answer for it. That's where the robbery can come in. My issue has largely been, this has been so heated. Everybody's been so upset, so gassed up about it. I, I still maintain <laughs> that a 29, 28 pimplet scorecard is fine. It's not the scorecard I would personally give. Even on rewatch, I still think Jared Gordon took the first two rounds. And I think that there is a better argument. Pro, like, I think that you can have a better argument for 30-27 Gordon than you can for even 29-28 Pimblet, right? But I still think that that scorecard is acceptable. It is just the way they got there. And so... If that's your justification for why this is a robbery, I'm with you. Fine. No issues because scoring that round is robbing Jared Gordon of that round undeniably. But I don't feel like that's where most of this criticism has come from. I, I don't think people are thinking that critically. They are just thinking Jared Gordon should have won the fight. It was 30-27 Gordon, blah, blah, blah. And I again, I agree that he probably should have won the fight, but – I think that it is an ex the overall scorecard is acceptable. So, sure, I don't really, I've never really considered how we think of robbery in that in that regard, right? Like, I've never thought about it as like, well, is it a robbery if the overall scores are wrong or the way they get there, you know, is wrong, but the the overall answer is right. It's a method of or it, it's a question of process over result. I guess the process here is very clearly flawed. So, if you want to call it a robbery. I'm a little more open to that idea than I was on fight night, but I still have some trepidation about it. What did you learn the most about Patty Pimblett? I mean, it, the, the week was crazy for the man, said some things that were just not smart, and Ariel just dropped receipt after receipt after receipt on this man. But the response he gets, the response he got when he walked out to that cage Saturday, you can't ignore it. He looked like a star. He was treated like a star. The reaction he gets from everybody in the space, you can't ignore that either, whether you like him or not. But the fighter, Jed, he's solid. He's a solid fighter. And of course, you know, there's little tweaks that can be made. There's always at least a little bit of evolution that can be made, not just in MMA, but in sports across the board. Like, look at the way Greg Maddox pitched in his mid-30s. Totally different guy, still very effective. But is the guy we saw who fought Jared Gordon on Saturday, like, is this him? Like, is this the ceiling in your opinion on Patty Pimblett? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the things I learned the most about Patty Pimblett are I was starting to have doubts about my, I've been very critical of him since day one in the UFC because I have seen him fight before. And this is mostly who he's been. Like he hasn't really added a ton, uh, but I was starting to feel like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Cause AK Lee was very like, pro him because he's the prince of positivity and he is still relatively young like there's a world where he could improve i struggle to think that he is going to um and again he's fine he's a top 30 ish guy like that's that's good in the scheme of the world to be one of the 30 best people at your job like that's quite strong i i hope that one day i can be one of the 30 best people at my job that would <laughs> 
probably be an improvement. I assume I'm not at that <laughs> at that point right now. Well, you know, like he's I didn't learn the the things I learned about him were um not good, frankly, like but it mostly reinforced stuff I already knew, right? I knew he's a he's a bad striker, and I don't think there's a way to get around it. He can be effective, and those are very different things. I think it's important that people like you can suck at striking, like technically, but still be effective because you can hit hard and you have a great chin. Like that's that's honestly a fairly common road for a lot of MMA fighters. And Patty's like Patty's that he's got a good chin and he is willing to throw, so he is effective, but. Jared Gordon is not anyone's definition of a good striker. Like he's a fine, competent, well-rounded, all-around fighter, but he is—he doesn't have huge knockout power. He has never inspired fear on the feet, and he was piecing Patty up. <laughs> like it's—if he, I pitched afterwards, and I don't know if we're going to talk about this or not. I think doing the Connor fight right now makes a ton of sense, and they should pull the trigger on that if they can make that happen, because uh, Connor will kill him. Because if Connor can land the left hands Jared Gordon did, and he certainly can, it's going to obliterate Patty. And so, like, it's as soon as he fights one good striker who can grapple with him to any extent, like, he's done. His He is done. That's why Ilya Tapuri is an awful fight for him. So it just reinforced that. The other, I think the biggest thing I learned was how he reacted to it all, though, right? Because you learn a lot about people and their losses. And sure, that's not a loss, but for all intents and purposes, let's call it one, right? The bulk of people believe he lost. Uh, and the way he handled it was really instructive. <laughs> he, uh, part of me honestly respects the hell out of just blind ignorance because <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of that. Like I am, I, I know Ariel went on the show and uh, yesterday and like dropped a couple more on Patty who is just like, stick into his story and honestly i have a little bit of respect for you just being like i don't really care about facts i'm just gonna say my truth and if i say it loud enough that'll be the way it is for me and everybody else can get in line or not uh that's really problematic though if you're like trying to improve and be better at life or a specific skill and so him looking at that fight re-watching that fight because he says that like i already when we watched it i think i won all three rounds and believing that that he is flawless and perfect. It's a hard, like you can't, you're not going to improve. And that's why you're going to plateau and be there at that. You have to be able to, and maybe you can't, maybe you as the fighter, just you have to have that insane confidence. We see it all the time with fighters, but most of them are able to be a little bit introspective and be like, here's where I had some shortcomings here, are things I can improve on. Or at the minimum, their coaching staff will be like, yeah, you got to, be better than this dude and i'm not sure that patty has that in him to to reckon like to to seriously reckon with his shortcomings as a fighter which is going to cap him it's actually been pretty amazing to hear some of the matchmaking suggestions for patty because you have all over the board man all trains of thought here you got man just give him squash matches in the uk just go on the trajectory you were going on some are just saying keep him away from the top 15 some say just run it back with Jared Gordon in the UK. Some God, say it's an awful idea. It's the worst idea say, I've ever heard. <laughs> some, I mean, even on heck of a morning, I've heard Dan Hooker, the Tony Ferguson fight comes up again and again. Both of those are fine. Kano has come up. I had somebody this morning and people actually agreed with this. That just said, you know what? F it. If this dude's as good as he thinks he is, let's just throw him to Justin Gaethje and give him a oh, they're Damon Martining. Fight. They're Damon Martining him. Okay. Got it. It's just, it's wild to hear all the different suggestions. You mentioned Connor. I doubt that happens, although you make a compelling case for it. But it will happen. It is oh, the no. best fight to make right now. And I believe that with every part of me. But realistically, where do you think they go? Um, it's really tough. I think realistically, the UFC takes a step back and fires him up another guy he can beat because all the people you mentioned are problems like it's a real like him fighting an auto Marcano is a terrible idea Marcano is gonna kill him um and and you're not even getting any juice like that's the problem here's the thing Patty Pimblett is not the golden goose he is just not Conor McGregor is the golden goose Patty Pimblett is uh the pig being raised for slaughter 
you he because he's not he is not good enough to to do the thing that that if if he could if he was as good as Connor, great. Then he can be another guy who can just poop out gold eggs forever and be a hero. He's not. He he just isn't that good. You need he needs to get get clobbered at the right time in the right way. My issues with the Jared Gordon fight beforehand were largely if he if Jared Gordon wins this, that kind of just it's it's a waste of killing Patty. We want to do him in the in the biggest stage, brightest possible, with someone who can carry on that momentum, right? Like if Conor McGregor, instead of losing to Nate Diaz in short notice, had lost to him, trying to think of who's like the lamest possible lightweight they could have thrown at him at short notice. Uh and no one's like Jakar Close or whatever. Like that wouldn't have done anything for anybody. <laughs> it was just like, all right, cool. Well, the Connor thing's done. Patty is going to lose. You want him to lose to somebody who can take that shine. Dan Hooker, I think, is a pretty good choice in that regard because Dan Hooker already is an established guy. Fans, people like him there. Uh, if Bobby Green comes out of this fight with Drew Dober, I'd say that there's some you – can, you can maybe hope to turn Bobby Green into the next Jorge Masvidal there. Both of those are valid. Uh, Tony is the other way. I think Tony wins that fight. But that is the that's the one fight of a guy who's above him that I feel like pretty good <laughs> that like Patty at least has a real shot at winning that fight. And the problem with that is once he wins that fight, then it's done. <laughs> then he's a ranked dude and he has to fight Armand Sarukian or whatever and he's going to get killed. <laughs> so that's why I think Connor's the best one because it gets Connor a win and because it's Connor, it doesn't even take the shine off Patty that much because everybody's all stoked on Connor anyway. I think, though, we talked about a thing on the post show. My guess is that we get Terrence McKinney. Um, that that's that's how that shakes out because that's also a winnable fight to some extent uh, if he can not die immediately. And Terrence, people sort of know Terrence, and that kind of feels like the way it, it'll end up shaking out here. Yeah, and Terrence has kind of built himself up to where he's at right now. This isn't like a UFC push. Yeah. This is Terrence being Terrence. Yeah, I like it's that. It's a bit idea of a win-win if Terrence McKinney, because if Terrence beats him, Terrence already has some juice behind him. He just gets a bump. It, that one's the most palatable to me, but I, I, I still think there are better choices. Yeah, it's tough. Like if we're gonna give him a sink or swim fight against a championship level fighter, whether it be past or present. The one name that like keeps coming to mind, and Patty's gonna lose this fight badly, RDA. Because oh, if RDA wins, that. it's I know, but it's it's not RDA's not fighting Connor. It's not gonna happen. But this is like the next best thing for him, probably. And guess what? If RDA wins, like he's not getting like the, the division doesn't suffer, is what I'm trying to say. Well, like no. if Patty wins, it helps him, obviously, and that gives him a boost. But if RDA wins, like it doesn't affect the overall landscape of the division. It doesn't hurt any of the other up-and-comers. In fact, it might even help some of the up-and-comers to fight RDA in the future, and it actually means a little bit more. So that's why I put that idea out there. Like, RDA is probably like a minus 500 favorite in that fight, but if we're going to do at, that, at if we're going to give him a sink or swim fight, I think that one is is not a bad choice. I'm still on, I still think Dan Hooker is the one. Dan Hooker is still pretty young. If, if you're going to do that, Dan Hooker is the guy who I think can most capitalize on on the Patty scalp. So that's – which is really – if they're Patty fans, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just – I'm here talking about the best way for him to lose <laughs> because he can't win these fights. Like it's, it's not true – it's not realistically possible for him to beat anybody in the top 20 of this division. Hey, Other than Connor, be, Connor yeah. might – I mean, I guess there's a world where he beats Connor. I think Connor would blow his head off, but that's at least possible. Well, Patty's going to be a very interesting story heading into 2023, no doubt about it. I'm curious to see how they book him. Curious to see how the ankle holds up after that fight with Jared Gordon, but we'll see. This guy is, uh, he's more than gotten himself on the map in 2022, but. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Let's move on and let's talk about Glover Teixeira. Jed, because he got himself a big opportunity to kick yes. off the new year himself. We're actually going to get to that in a second, but the main event of UFC 282, Jan Blachowicz, Magomed Ankalaev for the vacant light heavyweight title. They fight to a draw. I scored at 48-47 Ankalaev. No issue at all with the draw after re-watching it, but Dana White shows up at the press conference. He is just not a fan of this fight at all. And oftentimes when you hear Dana at the press conference just rip a fight it's because it's it's his opinion but we're also kind of in agreement with him and we kind of have the same reaction but with this one yeah four and five weren't all that thrilling but i gotta tell you jed and I'm, you probably agree with me the first three rounds were very compelling especially when jan started started landing those leg kicks and started to do damage i didn't think the fight was nearly as bad as dana white thought it was even on the rewatch i didn't think i'd watch it a second time but even watching it the second time first few 15 minutes were pretty damn compelling yeah if i wasn't bad at all um the truth is dana doesn't even think that fight was that bad he's just unhappy with how it ended like I, if if that hadn't resulted in a draw dana would have come back and just been like hey magma and Labs, our new champion look at him showed championship heart adversity battled back through it we'd been asking you know, when is this guy ever going to see, going to gonna have to face some real adversity in the cage? And we saw it tonight, you know. Maybe it wasn't the prettiest way, but he did it. it. It wouldn't have been an issue. The issue is entirely that they jerry-rigged this whole thing just trying to get a champion, and they didn't, and now they're here. Uh, and ultimately, I kind of think it works out for them in, like, the sort of the falling upwards that the UFC historically does. But this fight was fine. Um, this is not even a bad fight to go rewatch. It's certainly not the worst fight of the year. It's probably not the worst fight of the last. I mean, it's not even probably. It's definitely not the worst like main event of the last uh, three months. When was the Grasso main event? Was it in October? Grasso. Yeah, this wasn't even, this wasn't was even terrible. the worst. This wasn't even the worst Magomed and Goliath main event. This well, was certainly not, not. Ankle Live Tiago Santos, but by any stretch. Was that, was that this year or was that last year, though? I'm trying to uh, that's look at this. I thought it was earlier this year. It was. It was March of this year. Oh, yeah. Yes. That, like, that's that's the worst event of the whole year, <laughs> which doesn't speak great to Magomed at this point, if we're being real. Um, but, yeah, it's – I was fine. Uh, I'm also okay with a – on rewatch, I'm actually less okay uh, with the draw than it is now. Um, though it's still not like egregious. Uh, I on rewatch, it's it's forty eight forty seven Magomed for me. I think he runs one one four and five pretty cleanly, um, and I I'm not quite willing to give Jan uh, a ten eight for for round two or round three. So it. Yeah, I, it's not awful. It's not the worst scorecard I've ever seen. 
I, I again, I don't think it quite rises to what I'd view as a robbery because it is at least a reasonable person could look at that fight and be like, yeah, Jan won, wins it. But I, I think Magomed should be the light heavyweight champion of the world at this moment in time. But now Glover Teixeira, what, what, what a year it has been for this guy. He now gets to fight Jamal Hill, new main event, UFC 283 in Rio, gets the hometown fight he wanted all along, still gets to fight for the vacant title. And Dana made this one real quick. This is my suggestion, like in the immediate aftermath, if they're going to have Glover fight on this card. What was your initial reaction to this quick trigger booking? And how do you feel about it five days later, especially as a, a co-host of a podcast that has to do with, with throwing some shekels on the line for these fights? It's categorically ridiculous, but I'm kind of okay with it. Um, it's a bit insane just because, like, this is why Yuri shouldn't have vacated anyway. <laughs> he should still be the champion because, like, it was always kind of dumb doing it. Uh, again, we're going back to this race. The process is terrible. Our outcome is good. Like, and then so it all kind of comes out in the wash, right? Because uh, it was... It was pretty much categorical bullshit that Glover was not getting the title fight. He's a former champion, number one ranked guy, and by the UFC's rankings, I think by our rankings, uh, very clearly should be involved in a title fight. The UFC comes to him on whatever, six days notice, and is like, hey, will you fight Magomed? No, I'll fight the other dude because I've already fought him. Totally reasonable request and stance from him. And the UFC's like, nah, we're good. We're going to put Magomed. The guy who, by the way, again, Dana is just furious with so see how this all worked out from there and uh he gets screwed over he's theoretically next in line but you know promises don't mean much certainly with the ufc in the sport anything could have happened now instead instead of having to fight either jan blahovich who granted he already beat but at least at one point during that fight jan did catch him with something and maybe Jan had you know Jan's talked about having an off night that night or whatever maybe it would have been different or Magomed and Kalaev, who I think is actually a really tough style matchup for Glover now he gets to fight quite possibly the best style matchup for him in the entire top 10 <laughs> for the belt in Brazil he came out of this thing smelling like roses it's unbelievable for him and at the end of the day I still will hold Yuri Prohashka as the number one light heavyweight in the world because he beat Glover when they fought. That fight was way more competitive than I thought it would be. Fight was awesome. One of the best, very best fights of all time. Yuri wins. Yuri taps out Glover Teixeira, which I would have never seen coming. So I will give Yuri the respect of holding that top spot down until he fights again. But there is not a soul alive who will be unhappy with Glover Teixeira, the UFC light heavyweight champion while he is recovering uh, for him to do it in Brazil will be a moment that Brazil card needed something. Uh, no disrespect to, to Figgy Smalls and Moreno four, but that is not the top, the headliner that you need there. This gives them the extra juice for that. And we're going to kick off the year in great fashion. So yeah, it, it all came out. Okay. The process was terrible, but we got to a good end result. Who gets a who gets a two hundred and five pound title fight first, Jan Bohovic or Magomed and Goliath? Um, I'm still gonna say Goliath, but I don't feel any level of confidence in that particular pick. <laughs> um, <laughs> just I can't because I I believe Glover is going to beat Jamal Hill because Tiago Santos famed grappler that he is <laughs> took Jamal Hill down at will. So I suspect Glover is going to be able to do it and do a lot better than Tiago Santos did. Uh, and I just don't see them running back. Jan Glover too. Is that fight? Well, Jan had like a moment or two. The fight wasn't wildly competitive and both guys are going to have to get a win to get the, like they're going to have to fight somebody and my guess is I, I'll pick Magomed to beat any light heavyweight in the world at this point. Like I, I, it might not be pretty. Let's be real. It may not be an, an entertaining watch, but I do think he is good enough to beat anybody at 205 right now. So that's at least a fresh matchup. Magomed beats – let me pull up the light heavyweight here. 
Uh, Rakich is probably done. Uh, they'll, they'll just run like Anthony Smith, Magomed back or whatever. Um, he'll win that fight and then, then he'll get the next one. That's, I don't feel wildly confident, but I think that's the most likely outcome. UFC 282, obviously a very interesting night. We had 10 straight finishes to start the festivities. So we obviously talked the the two biggest storylines, but top three standouts of the rest of the names on the card. Uh, Trickus Duplessis, for sure. Just because uh, he finally ended the Darren Till thing. We don't have to talk about Darren Till anymore. I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. He's going to take some time off and go back to not being very good, which he's been the whole time. People just got confused. Uh, and DDP is, uh, he's top 10 guy. Now he's going to get an opportunity at somebody, you know, up high, I would imagine. And guy is awesome. Guy is fireworks, fun as hell to watch. I don't think he's, I probably doesn't ever challenge for the belt and I really confident he doesn't ever win it, but guys, just a great time to watch. Great performance. Super in on it. Uh, Ilya Tapuria do we need to say <laughs> that dude <laughs> that dude obliterated bryce mitchell and bryce come out with all i got the flu or whatever you got your ass beat son that's that's all you got i don't know about any illnesses you had but i i saw the fear in your eyes the first time Ilya landed on you and hey there's nothing wrong with that not a lot of people want to want to take him from that guy that dude is a problem uh, he is for sure going to challenge for a belt. And given that he's only 25, 26, good odds that he ends up holding the belt at some point in his life. So that dude is like the number one with the bullet. Uh, and then the answer you're supposed to give, I'm not going to, so I don't really want to talk about Raul Rosas Jr. again. He's probably the true answer because this dude has got shine on him. People are very interested in his story. And if you're one of them, cool. I'm reserving my feelings on the matter at this point. So I will say for the third one, uh, it's Edmund Shabazian. Because, look, Dala Lunchu, I, I can never say it. Dala Lungiambula, um, Dalcha Lungiambula was pretty much tailor-made for Edmund. But this is what you wanted to see from him. He is still super young. He's still 25. He had some real tough setbacks, but this kid came in with a lot of promise, got overhyped for sure, settled back down, left the, the terrible fight camp to actually work with real professionals at Extreme Couture and looked better. And I'm not saying let's throw him in there with a top you know 10 guy immediately, though he might still be ranked in the UFC's ranking, so he may get somebody like that. But he's still 25 with a lot of upside to him, and he's with a real team and a real camp, and he looked good. They got him a win, which is really what he needed. He needed a confidence-building win string another one or two of those together and let's see what we've got with this kid because he has a lot of talent. So he's going to be my third choice. Yeah. Tapori is probably like one and two. Yeah. For being honest. I mean, that he's dude by is, far, okay. he's the top, top man. Oh, yeah, he's the man. It, what, what a performance. He needs to fight Arnold Allen. Number one contender fight. I don't care where the UFC has him ranked. That's the fight to make. My third Rosa choice. Rosa I'm not going to go with Rosa jr. Either. It's probably the safe answer. Um, I'm going it's with definitely the a man. safe answer, but I'm going with Curtis. This guy is just incredible. He's incredible. And I think people got to see really just how defensively savvy he is and just overall like creatively savvy. Because watching the fight initially, as you're watching, you're like, oh, Joaquin's beating the crap out of him. But if you actually like go back and watch it again and just turn the sound off, you just see how good Chris Curtis is defensively. He basically just let Joaquin just punch himself out. And then the first chance he got when he knew Joaquin was starting to slow down a little bit, he knocked him dead. Chris Curtis is great. I don't know if he's going to be a guy who's going to fight for a title, but that man is going to fight for your money every single time he gets in there. So lots of fun options for him. Middleweight Jed is, it's pretty fun. Like this is a, this division has made some moves this year. Has, has it not? We got a new champion oh, and Alex sure. Pereira. We got DDP coming up. Roman Delize. It's apparently he's Look fighting Marv Vittori now. Oh, yeah, I saw that just dropping on Slack. So. It's reported. Um, not 100% confirmed by your friends at MMA Fighting, but somewhat confirmed. So that fight's happening. Chris Curtis making Oh, I moves. forgot that the UFC has Jack Hermanson like stupidly high. 
It's like that feels like a big jump for Delizze, but he's actually eight in the UFC's ranking because they still have Jack Romanson in the top ten, which is kind of insane. But you know, okay, yeah, middleweight's a lot of fun. Middleweight is a lot of fun. Darren Till holding the number fifteen spot in the UFC rankings. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they what they do with him. I'd like to see him go back to one seventy if it's physically possible. He might have something left in him. I don't know. I think it's physically possible. You heard DDP after. Be like, he's too small. DDP, former welterweight KSW champion, by the way, who could never make welterweight again. Like he's he's not the biggest middleweight there is, but he is a a sizable middleweight, and he dwarfed Till. He felt it. It looked like it. I I always, and this is hot take or whatever, I always thought Till could make it at welterweight. I entirely thought that that was a discipline issue and that moving to middleweight was not the answer because he's not very good. <laughs> and so at least be big. If you're not going to be good, be big. Uh, and it's, look at his success. The one win, like the the two good performances, I'm using good liberally. Because Kelvin Gastelum was not a good performance or fight. Former welterweight Kelvin Gastelum and former welterweight Robert Whitaker. Like those are the two times he looked like not an awful fighter in this division. He's too he's not talented enough and he's not big enough to compete against like Eric Brunson or whatever. So I think he make welterweight. I if Jose Aldo can make Bantamweight and apparently should have been fighting a Bantamweight the entire time, Darren Till can make welterweight. <laughs> I completely agree with you. So maybe that's the the route for him. We'll see what happens. But before UFC 282 went down, and people were mad last week because we didn't give Bellator enough time. We only gave him like five or six minutes at the end of the show. But Bellator 289 went down at beautiful Mohegan Sun Arena in scenic, scenic. Uncasville, Connecticut, the rolling hills and sprawling landscapes of Uncasville, Connecticut. Main event, Rafion Stotts successfully defends his interim bantamweight title against Danny Sabatello. I think the fight was probably closer than you thought it was going to be, Jed. Uh, we're going to take it was way closer. the Doug Crosby. Yeah, the Doug Crosby scorecard is an abomination. It's egregious. It's literally the worst scorecard I've seen all year and probably the worst scorecard I've seen in many, many years. 50-45 for Danny Sabs is a ridiculous scorecard. If he had scored it 48-47 for Sabatello, I wouldn't have had a giant issue with it. I think the right guy won, but 50-45 Sabatello is ridiculous. But something tells me that this fight was a lot more interesting and competitive than you thought it was going to be. It was way, way more competitive. I'm trying to see if Bellator has stats uh, on this one. I'm not finding any because I would love to see the the strike stats basically from Sabatello. I I scored it 48-47. I was not watching like super critically, so take that with all the grains of salt you want. Uh, broad structures, that fight looked like I thought uh, in that Sabatello is not a very good striker and Stotts is a better striker. I missed entirely believing that Stotts would be able to shut down the wrestling game. Uh, he really didn't. Sabatello mostly got to his spots and pu- pulled off takedowns with relative ease, frankly, against Stotts. I was, I was surprised by that. And I will say, we talked beforehand on the preview show or whichever we did. If if Sabatello can win one of the first two, three rounds, things get really interesting. Because we were both pretty confident that Sabatello would win four and five. It's and That's not really how the fight played out. Sabatello won two of the first three rounds uh, or if you're Doug Crosby, he won all of them. And then he also won <laughs> four and five. Um, and, and it was Stotts who adjusted and kind of fought him off. And, and it, it was a very different fight than I anticipated. Uh, and honestly, the, maybe this is unfair, but my biggest takeaway of that fight, God's honest truth was, Oh, Patchy mix is the best man in Wayne Bellator. Got it. <laughs> Cause I thought for sure it was Ravi and Stotts. Like, he's looked so good in all of his fights for the most part. He's got the pedigree. He's shown very good work with the hands. But a guy who was simply committed to wrestling him and could do it, he really struggled. And 
like you said, if you score that fight for Sabatello, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. 50-45 is, is wrong. But Stotts, Stotts was playing defense for a, a bulk of that fight. Uh, he just landed some more damage, which is, you know, the primary scoring criteria at this point. That's how it goes. I think it, it like I said, it's not unreasonable to say that Sabatello won that fight. And so the, him doing it despite being him having that performance by being so limited raised my stock a little bit on Sabatello lowered my stock a little bit on Stotts and then you mix in patchy mix looking like an absolute monster I'm like oh that's actually the best bantamweight in the world right there or certain the best bantamweight in Bellator probably not the world yeah I, I I thought Sabatello clearly won the first round I thought he won the fourth round I thought Stotts won three and five two was the swing round because Watching it live, I thought Sabatello won round two, but I got killed for it. So I went back and watched it again. I'm like, all right, I, I could see how you th- thought Stotts won the round. But 48-47 for Sabatello was not out of the, was not out of the question. It that would have been like the least controversial card of the many controversial scorecards this past weekend. Yeah. Would have been t- I don't think anybody would have even really been upset other than Stotts, who would have obviously been livid, but I think it would have been fine. Patchy Mix, like you said, is a monster. I thought Magomed Magomedov, I mean, not saying he's not good, but I didn't expect that. I picked Magomedov to win that fight. I just thought overall game, I just thought it was just slightly better than Patchy, but man, Patchy's finding himself right now. He's making weight. He's not saying he wasn't taking it seriously, but he's taking it all very, very seriously, not just in fight camp, but, you know, just everything to do with this Grand Prix. Dude was... I just couldn't get the whole Gallagher build out of my brain. Like you've been wanting this fight for a year and you finally get it in a big spot and then you miss weight. And then, you know, you struggle a little bit with Gallagher. You end up putting him away in the third, but you have a tough start. You come back. So by the time we get to Magomedov, I'm like, eh, probably not a great overall stylistic matchup for him. Golly, was I wrong? What a performance. Put that man to sleep. And I think you're right, Jed. I think Patchy is the guy to beat right now. And man, Rafion Stotts versus Patchy Mix is a very intriguing fight now. Much Stotts more intriguing than I thought it was going to be. It's way more intriguing, except for like, I think Stotts is screwed. <laughs> just uh, Patchy Mix is going to take him down and he's not going to hold him because I don't agree with everything Rafian Stotts st- said when he was on the MMO this week, but uh, certainly as the fight with Sabatello progressed, Sabatello's biggest issue in that entire like he did nothing but find control positions and hold them. He effectuated no real offense. Patchy Mix is not going to do that. He is going to find he is going to rope those big lanky arms of his around your neck and try to choke you unconscious, as he has done several times before at this point. So I I think Stotts is in a world of trouble. I'm sorry, there's there's I don't know if you can hear it, I assume you can. There's a man blowing leaves right in front of my house i'm staring at him in the face right now and he just keeps doing it hi, hi. is he waving to you as he's blowing the leaves no i just oh, are you on him. air are you yeah. on air okay you can super you can see super me in the headphones with the microphone still going about it okay i know there are leaves right there they they could they could leave they don't have to be it would have been fine He's about to exit his way. So, okay. Forget where I was. Uh, I'm going to close it out, though, with this. I feel like I maybe said this at some other point. Um, but one of my favorite things about this entire sport, Mike, is Patchy Mix's post-fight speech just killed me. Just, oh, he's back. Good good to know. Um, other side now. But Patchy Mix just being like, yeah, I decided to take this seriously. <laughs> it's... I feel like MMA is the only sport where that is like a really common refrain among world-class fighters. Like you never, they are never interviewing the Super Bowl champion and they're like, Matt Stafford, you came to Los Angeles. What happened? Well, for 12 years in Detroit, I was just kind of half-assing it and I was pretty good. (laughs) And then I was like, I'm coming to LA. Maybe I should step my game up and try really hard at my profession. And then I won the Super Bowl. It happens like once a month that some fighter is like, yeah, so I don't really train. 
ever. Like I would just be like, Oh, I got to fight. Let me make weight. And I'll just go fight some dude. And I did pretty well. And I made it to top 15 in the world. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Uh, and then I lost cause that's not how that works for anybody who's not John Jones. So I was, uh, I thought, you know, maybe I might actually try and patchy makes just being like, yeah, I decided to take this as like a real sport and a profession and not something that I'm doing. And now look at me. I'm good. It's, it cracks me up. Shout out to Ryan Spann for starting Ryan that Spann being the guy. Wintry trend of, uh, maybe I'll start trading. And there's a big difference because, like, <laughs> I remember Jake Matthews after the Fiala fight. He didn't say that. He just said, All right, I'm like a man now. Like, yeah, I grew I up. Got like, I got like muscles now. Yeah, and I finished like, puberty. <laughs> I'm clicking now. Like, it's everything starting to click. It's not, eh, you know what? I didn't really try, but now I'm trying. Yeah. Love that. It's just the best. Like, I desperately want to see some, like, just to see one person do that in the NBA. Whatever. <laughs> it's like, like Russell Westbrook's just like, yeah, so I know the Lakers have been really bad. Uh, it's because I kind of wasn't giving a shit. And LeBron sat me down. I was like, I guess I'll try really hard now. And now we're winning. Just be unbelievable. Fake-ass sport, man. <laughs> we cover a fake-ass sport. <laughs> Uh, speaking of post-fight speeches, Liz Carmouche just beat the hell out of Juliana Velasquez. That was an impressive performance. No Honestly, the, there. Most, the most shocking outcome of the whole weekend for me. Why? Because that the first fight was good. Like, not necessarily that Liz Carmouche won, but, like, she was losing that first fight until she wasn't. There was no doubt. She came out here and ran over that woman. Ran over Juliana Velasquez. Like, there wasn't nothing for her there. Uh... Best performance of, frankly, Carmouche's maybe not our whole career, but of the last, like, six years, probably. She wants 135-pound division, and as a member of the esteemed MMA Fighting Global Rankings panel, I really hope Bellator does this. I hope they do, do a Bantamweight division and bring in some new faces because Lord knows we need women's Bantamweights to actually rank at this point because getting 15 of them in there right now is a struggle. And if they... Put this division in there and Liz is a bantamweight. At least we can put her in one of those spots. At least we have somebody to fill that gap. But this is a tough one, man. Having to decide between, what was it, Lucy Pudilova and who was the other one? Um, I don't know. I left number 15. Nina Landsberg, maybe? I don't remember. I, I already it's had Landsberg and Pudilova in my rankings. And so I, I decided not to. Previously, I had, I'm trying to remember her name off the top of my head, like – like a no name person, like somebody who's the bandweight champion out in some like rural bum uh, show. And I was like, I don't know, you've got like a six and one record. And I watched two videos like you can kind of grapple. Sure. So there's, there's just ain't nobody. So yeah, Bellator make one and build it and hope they come. Don't build it because you have the bodies because you don't, They're, they don't exist right now, but Build it and try and try and make it happen because this was once the marquee division. And now it's it is what it is now. You know? So Bellator independently done. Of course, they have the Bellator versus Rising card coming up on New Year's Eve, which should be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. But it's dope. Let's, dope card. Very dope card. I'm very Pitbull versus Clever Coist is that's dope. It's a good fight. I'm really excited oh, about that. So one. good. And I love the uh, AJ McKee fight. I did, all those are going to be really interesting. It's going to be a fun event to watch. So uh, hopefully we all get to watch it live and, and enjoy it for what it is. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, UFC Vegas 66, Jed, final UFC card of 2022. And I got to say, Jed, top to bottom, looking at this one, especially compared to a lot of the fight night cards that we have spoken about throughout the year on the show. So it's pretty good. This is a pretty solid fight night card, is it not? 
Oh, for sure. I'm trying to. I'm pulling up Orlando right now to see if I think this is better than Orlando was. Because I, I actually think I think I do think it's better than Orlando was. Orlando had some higher highs, probably. Um, I'm not even sure that's true because Saruki and Ismagulov is just chef's kiss. Like that's probably the best fight of the whole month <laughs> for being real. That fight is incredible. Uh, yeah, this card's great. Like I, you know, you know me. Normally tell people, hey, just tune in MMAfighting.com. Don't watch this one. Got a 4 p.m. start time. Very, very good card. Looking at it, like there is maybe two fights on this card that I'd be like unnecessary. If we if we got rid of them, I wouldn't be in any way to like sad, which is a, a huge rarity these days, certainly for fight night cards. Usually you could paint with a broad brush and be like, if we knocked off five of these, it is not going to change my enthusiasm <laughs> for this card at all. But no. Card's great. Main event, Jared Cannonier versus Sean Strickland. Like, what are these guys fighting for right now? I mean, we do have a new champion. Sean Strickland just got bolted by Alex Pereira just a few months ago. Cannonier obviously hasn't fought Pereira yet, but is this just two dudes fighting? It's just two dudes fighting. Uh, Shouts to Sean Strickland. Not a phrase I say a lot because Sean Strickland is not a man you should – model your life career or personal thoughts about after um (laughs) sean strickland is maybe the hardest fighter in the world for me to deal with because every rational part of me dislikes everything he stands for but god he is compelling and funny as hell and it's it i can't it's hard to separate the fact that he's an admittedly bad person (laughs) And the fact that I kind of want him to stay in my life in this capacity for a long period of time because I have so much respect. Uh, Maybe respect isn't the right word. It's the one I'm going to go with for him coming out and being like, if I fought Alex Pereira again, I'd do exactly the same damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) I know that that didn't work out for me like at all (laughs) would, would change nothing exactly how i would go about it again like that's a man after my own heart refusing to learn or adapt and just just live just being who you are to the absolute fullest that is and he's probably gonna do the same thing as jared cannonier uh but probably he's definitely gonna do the exact same thing as jared cannonier and maybe it'll work out this time because jared cannonier is a fine fighter but he is not a striker to the level of alex Pereira. but it won't shock me at all if Cannoneer just knocks Strickland's head to the third row, which will undoubtedly be hilarious if it happens. So they're not fighting for anything other than a paycheck and the amusement of, you know, millions of fans around the world. And in the end, that's a pretty good thing to fight for. So I'm in for it. Ten minutes ago, you had somebody blowing leaves around. Mother Nature is blowing everything around right now. It is a is it? freaking monsoon outside. Wind oh, is howling. It's like midday. It's about right for for the low country. Yeah, we haven't we haven't dealt with this in quite some time, but uh, it's happening right now. Sarukian versus Magulov just friggin' rules. It's a great fight, and I kind of feel I kind of feel for Armand here because I do feel he won the Gamrot fight, and it was super close. I watched that fight more than any fight this year. That's like if I need a boost on the treadmill or something. I just watch that fight because it just gets me all fired up and I run a little bit faster and a little bit faster. Um, he probably deserves better than this, if we're being honest. But Ismagulov, I mean, you can't fault the man's resume, undefeated in the UFC. I don't think he beat Guram Kutatsalatse. I thought Guram probably got that one. And that's what gives me a little bit of pause here, Jed, because my gut is telling me that on paper, this fight is very compelling. It's just like one of those, ooh, this is a good one. But I feel like the fight itself is not going to be all that compelling because I think Sarukian is just going to big brother him for 15 minutes. And I think this could be his coming out party. I really do. I think this will be one of those, all right, maybe maybe the Gamera fight we didn't get to see his best. It was a great fight, but maybe we doubted him a little bit. But I think after this one... I think people are going to come back around if they if they fell off the wagon a little bit. I feel like this is a really good matchup for Sarukian. Tough because Izbagulov is technically very good everywhere, but Sarukian's just one of those 
at least in my eyes, he's one of those, one of those kinds of up and comers and prospects that just don't come along all that often in terms of skill set and an overall game. I know you've been super high on him. I think this is a really tough fight for him. Um, I'm picking him to win because I'm also pretty high on him, but Ismagulov is, I, I will be, I won't be like shocked if Sarukin just big brothers him, but I'll be surprised. Ismagulov has given up one takedown in his UFC career. It was to Kudaladze who kept the position for like a minute, maybe. Like it's it. He is a very good defensive wrestler. Uh, he hasn't faced anybody who is going to chain wrestle the way Sarukian is, but he is still really good. Uh, and he's got a great jab, just a great jab. And he has got got the height and the reach on Sarukian. Sarukian's going to have to navigate that jab. And I, I think this is this is going to be a battle. Uh, I'm picking Sarukian, taking him to win by decision. I think he is going to eventually get to his spots, but I he is he I don't think this is an easy night in the office for him. Uh, and it won't surprise me if Ismagulov manages to edge out like a, a Gamrot esque decision, you know, something where maybe Sarukian should win or more people feels he won, but the bigger spots, the bigger moments were Ismagulov's. And so Sarukian just kind of falls short on short in the cards again. I like this as a three round fight too. First, if you're a Sarukian backer, five, I, I just feel like Sarukian had to have learned so much from that Gamrot fight. Like the, you, he had to just take so. so much away from it. And I don't know if Ismagulov was able to take as much away from the Guram fight, but I mean, on paper, just a sensational battle. Uh, last thing here, this is a loaded card. We get some pretty solid names, some interesting cats on here. You know my favorite about here. this fight is, by the way? But, These guys would absolutely murder, like, Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier. And I love both of them. But these guys are. These guys are top 15 because lightweight is impossible, not because they are the actual 15, you know, 15 number they should be like five and seven or something like that. These guys are unbelievably good. This fight rules. I'm so stoked on it. I thought you were going to say Patty. Oh, no. God, it wouldn't be close. <laughs> Ismagulov would probably get his first finish in the UFC against Patty. I think I have Saruki on like number seven in my lightweight rankings. That's all I, I think I'm like five. Him. I think I bumped him up after the Gamrot loss because I was just that impressed yeah. with, with that. I, no, with that I, I bumped fight. both him and Gamrot up after that fight. <laughs> I was like, yeah, both of these guys would beat Dustin Poirier tomorrow, so we're going to move both of them above. <laughs> uh, what's the low-key banger? What's the low-key banger in this card? There's a lot of good ones. Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, does Drew Dober Bobby Green count as low-key? I don't think so. Okay, that's the, probably. I not. think that's the people's main, the actual people's main event. I agree. That is the people's main event. You've been listening to Nobody's Bard. Um, low key banger. Uh, Manel Cop, David Dvorak, maybe. Ooh, I just love Manel Cop. I just love Manel Cop. David Dvorak's going to probably try to make it not that much of a banger, uh, but. You know what? I'm actually I'm gonna say Jake Matthews, Matthew Simmelsberger. I think that'll be my official answer. Lock it in, just because Jake Matthews looked so damn good last time out, and Simmelsberger is not great, but he's game. And so this is probably gonna be less of a banger than a, a real, maybe not a coming out party. I think Andre Fiajo was a coming out party for Jake Matthews, but he is going to really establish himself as a guy you don't want problems with at 170. So I'm gonna pick that one. But it's tough to go wrong. This card's mostly great. Yeah. Uh, Caceres Arosa is good, but that's a main card fight. I love the Matthews fight because I, I think he'll be able to show a little bit more on that one because you mentioned this the toughness and durability and the overall athleticism of Matthew Semmelsberger. He's probably a little bit better than his than his record indicates. It's probably... Semmelsberger is wild because my general belief is that if you're A-plus athlete, you should be an A-plus fighter because nine times out of ten, that pans out Simmelsberger is the 10th time when it doesn't where he's just like fine he is a way better athlete than he is a fighter and it's very frustrating it's probably for me the battle of the sides 
Nurmagomedov versus Akramanov. Love the Saeed battle too. God, man, that's just going to be fun. That's going to be, that's going to be the Sarukian Gamrot kind of matchup on this card. Cause both these guys are just so scrappy and Nurmagomedov is probably a little bit more well-rounded because I think his striking's better, but definitely. God, man, the, the, this fight's going to the floor. It's definitely going to hit the floor for big portions and the scrambles and everything that's going to go on down there. It's just going to be so fun to watch. It's just going to be so fun. So that fight rules. So shout out to those two guys. All this, every fight on this card, they're like two, three fights on this card that are fine that are un- unnecessary <laughs> but they're they're even watchable like everything here should be watchable so good fight card yeah, yeah 14 year. 14 fights looks like we're uh we're, we're good to go there uh last thing we just found out a little while ago confirmed with multiple sources that this will be the main event it's not happening in south korea it's actually happening at the ufc apex Derek lewis versus sergey spivak back on the books jed mishu oh, okay Yes, heavyweight battle. We are going to have some Apex fight nights. And I think this will be... No, this isn't the first one of the year. I think the Gaslam Imovov card might be. Uh, But this will be one of them. They're going back to the to the world's finest Apex. Uh, Derek Lewis, Sergey Spivak. It's back on the books. It's back on the books. Five rounds of this, Jed Mishu, potentially. Oh, yay. I (laughs) truly hope that there are not five rounds of (laughs) of this event it would be very tough and this is at the apex you're like this event is is happening at the apex one thousand percent it's happening at the apex (laughs) dude look at the fight card aside from having the road to the ufc things this is is this just a fight card of like Southeast Asian fighters that there's this is clearly supposed to be in like the the South Korea card and they're just gonna fly all to Las Vegas for no reason. Yeah. Incredible yeah. work. This is the best. No, we this don't know. True. I mean, we don't know what's gonna stay, what's gonna and what's gonna go, but uh this is I, the best. I don't know what they're gonna do, but yes, that is ha- I this, saw this one, I was like, it this just, seems weird looked- for South Korea. It just looks like a fight card that should not be happening in Las Vegas, and yet it is. (laughs) Like, any regular person could look at this and be like, man, okay, a lot of interesting choice for this to be in Vegas. Are you sure you didn't go on the road? Nah. Apex, baby. Let's go. Uh, And then we get Derek Lewis be back. It's fine. Uh, It's two-outcome fight, which I appreciate those. Makes it very easy to know Spivak gets the takedowns or he doesn't. And that determines the outcome. My guess is he doesn't. I, it's hard to have any level of confidence in Derek Lewis after his recent run right now. So it's fine. It's a fight. It sure is a fight. <laughs> and we'll see. Maybe Sergey Spivak will graduate from Derek Lewis to Tai Tuivasa if he gets a win. So it could be a banner year for Sergey Spivak if he can get the job done on February 4th. Is that the same date as the Bellator card? Uh, I don't remember the Bellator stuff off the top of my head. Hold on. Let me take a look. Let me see if I can pull this up semi-quickly. February 4th, Bellator 290. Yes, indeed. Head-to-head, baby. Some head-to-head action. Yeah. Heavyweight counter-programming. It it is hard for me to figure out which of those heavyweight fights is better. Which is a scathing condemnation of both organizations, if we're being honest. <laughs> well, February 4th is going to be a very busy day. Uh, the following weekend will be very busy as well, of course, with the UFC. So when's the Super, Super Bowl? Bowl is that it's the 12th, I think. Okay, I was going to say, they, they're definitely not doing this on Super Bowl weekend. So, Or are they in their lunatics? But no, the 12th would make more sense. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, that's it for this edition of the show. Tomorrow... Well, uh, normal stuff preview show. I will not be there. My vacation begins tomorrow. So I'll be off, uh, pretty much for the next couple of weeks. Uh, vacation. I think we're going to, yeah, I gotta do a lot of traveling to see a bunch of family I haven't seen in like two years. So this is what we're going to do. I don't know what uh, vacation so, is. That's interesting. Okay. I know <laughs> I get to freeze my ass off. So it's, it is what it is. Uh, preview show tomorrow. <laughs> 
probably 3 p.m. Eastern, people's pre-fight show, post-fight show. Uh, AK will need a co-host for on to the next one on Sunday, so we will still do a show. Uh, I think we're going to try to do a BTL next week. I think we're going to do it in podcast form, perhaps. Uh, maybe our award, we'll do our annual award show nomination program where we just get a little round table. We round off our top five. We debate each other and say Great one idea. of us is way smarter than the other. Uh, and then on to the next one, programming is just going to be a lot of fun because AK and I will go through our 2022 predictions to see who was better. Uh, I went back and listened to the program. There were some really interesting topics. We fell short on quite a bit of them. Uh, and then AK and I will have our 2023 predictions extravaganza where you submit all your questions by sell Make them interesting. Think outside the box. AK and I will pick up the best 25 or so of them. We'll go through them, and then we'll make our champion predictions, and then our Muy Caliente bold prediction of the year. Uh, AK and I were both wrong on our Muy Caliente bold predictions. What, what What was it this year? I can't remember. AK's was... Let me, let me see what they were. Uh, AK's was Hamza Chemaev will lose a fight. And mine was Anderson Silva will win more boxing matches than Shamayev has UFC wins. Did he only box the once this year? Maybe twice, but Say, he only won that, once. You're, you're pretty close, though. You're, you were close in yours, so. I was close. I was close. I wanted to be a little different than oh, Shamayev just yeah. loses. Yeah, no. But, that was a reasonable, you know, muy caliente pick, and you almost got there. I was very, very close. Very, also, very close. at the beginning of the year, that was a very hot pick because the idea that Shemaev would have fought like once, I don't think I certainly wouldn't have believed you. But like, no, that's insane. <laughs> Already fight one yeah. time. He fought twice. Um, oh, did he? Holland and Burns. Oh, I always I forget that the Burns thing was this year. I, in my head, yep. in in my head, that that was that was April. Jeez, twenty twenty two has been forever. <laughs> In my head, that was like last fall. (laughs) I was saying earlier, like this year, some days I feel like this year has taken 15 minutes and some days I feel like this year has taken seven years. It's just one of those years. Wild times. Well, now that I've made an ass of myself, we can can close her down. Hit the music, Casey. Hit the music. We appreciate you on the ones and twos. We appreciate all of you for watching and... We'll talk some more for the next couple of weeks as we roll on in to 2023. We appreciate you. For Jed Mishu, Casey on the ones and twos, I am Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esterlin takes you home. We'll see you next time right here on Between the Lakes. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. This has been Between the Lakes, an MMA fighting production. Thanks for watching. Happy birthday, AK. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.